Welcome to Jersey Girls with Paige and Austin. I'm Paige. And I'm Austin. And what's up, Austin? Oh my gosh, I wish you guys could have seen my face just then when I said, and I'm Austin. Oh my gosh, I went full-blown commercial. Anyway, <laughs> what is up? I'm so proud. Um, okay, first off, I need to give a shout out to my homegirl, her family, her people, and OKC, Oklahoma City, Taylor. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, anyway, my homegirl. They opened a food truck in Oklahoma City. They are at somewhere on Penn Street. It's El Pilon Criollo. It's authentic Puerto Rican food. It is amazing. Please go check it out. Um, truly, you won't be upset. And that is my shout out. So go follow them on Instagram and everything. El Pilon Criollo underscore OKC. Boom. All right, cool. I'm on it, girl. I'm about to follow them right now. But I might. it might make me like hella hungry. And that's a two-hour drive. But... That's fine. It's honestly, it's worth the two hour drive and it's a quick two hours. And if some of our listeners live in Oklahoma, it might be a 10 minute drive. So good point. All right. We got listeners all over. We got listeners. Yes. Yes. Yes, Yes, girl. Okay. But but yeah, that's what's up with me. What's up with you, girl? Okay. Well, what's up with me is a small disclaimer for our listeners today, because uh, (laughs) this is our first Zoom interview. Which, you know, thank God for technology and all that. But uh, we do have some children (laughs) between the two houses. So uh, there might be a little couple extra guests for this. Yes, yes. And I apologize for mine. She actually is more well-behaved than she's showing right now. (laughs) uh, I've been in Oklahoma City all weekend, obviously. So she's she's in dire need of some mommy time and some attention. Yeah, she's and ready. maybe um, five minutes of fame. So, <laughs> yeah, <it worked. laughs> hold on. <laughs> okay, well, we're on Zoom today because today's guest, uh, I'm going to read this whole entire intro and we don't talk about why we're on Zoom until the end of it, but today's guest is a former Division I soccer player at an HBCU in Mississippi where she finished her career with a trip to the NCAA tournament. But before that, she grew up playing with the boys, facing adversity in high school and JUCO before doing all her own recruiting to land at Mississippi Valley State University. She's currently an HR professional in Columbia, South Carolina, the home of the NCAA Women's Basketball National Champion. <laughs> and she's better known as second mom to my daughter. Welcome, my baby sister, Brooke Fiker. Snaps all around. Snaps all around. I love Snap machine. Welcome. <laughs> girl. I love the snaps. <laughs> Took me a second, but I'm on it. <laughs> girls like me, girls, or whatever it is, the movie that they're like, snaps for so and so. Yeah. Snaps for Feels Brooke. very sophisticated. Snaps so for what's Brooke. Like, so, what's it like out there today, Brooke? Hot and muggy? Yes. Hot and muggy, but actually rainy today. It's been a little, it's hurricane season. So, we're getting a little rain every day. So, yeah, it's raining. Still hot, but you know. <laughs> that re- you know what yeah, that reminds table. me of? That reminds me of okay, Austin, when me and Brooke and my older sister Miley and my brother Larkin, you know Larkin, were kids. Mm-hmm. My mom watched a lot of news. Okay. Channel 12, channel 12 for life. Okay. And we made our own newscast and it was recorded <laughs> on a cassette. 
And on, we each had different roles, right? We even had like, if you watch Channel 12 Morning Show, they have like a mind bender. We even had a mind bender question, all this stuff, right? But Brooke's segment, there's this one part. I wish I could find this audio. If I could find it, I'll add it. <laughs> She's like, it was the gardening yeah. segment. She's like, I'm just sitting here looking out, looking the, out window, the window at the rain. Oh my God. <laughs> so she's still sitting there looking out the window at the rain right now. And this is like 20 years later. Fast <laughs> forward 20 years, I have to move. <laughs> you got some gardening tips? I love that. <laughs> I don't have any gardening tips. Actually, my plants all tipped over when I was home. <laughs> oh, so that's all right, the tip. my Two of them are dried up, so clearly my gardening tips aren't very good. Oh no! I need to garden. At least you're yeah. not overwatering, so that's good, <laughs> right? You know, I, I had two red tomatoes, so I guess that those wash out the two that died. True. At least you bought something. You know what I mean? I feel like that's worth it. If it's producing, it's good, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Like that's better than your gardening tips back then. Yeah. I'm pretty sure my gardening tips back then was something about like a, a plant eating a person. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, you're like, and there's this lady and it was, this is really sad. You're like, this is really sad. There's this lady. <laughs> but the beanstalk ate her. <laughs> she watered her plants too much. And, and that was it. it. Her. <laughs> Larkin was the cutest though on there. I would yeah. have to say when he read he the, the comics. Yeah, he, <laughs> he read the comic section and he says, Bony. <laughs> uh, that was great. Yeah. That was a good time. Good times back then when life was less complicated. <laughs> on the girl talk where we could record on the girl talk. Girl talk. And, uh, I don't even remember what my segments were, but I know Miley was throwing shade. You know her. I'm pretty sure yours were the sports. You read sports facts. Remember out of that book? Yeah, I did. I had like an encyclopedia yeah. of sports facts. <laughs> so I was <laughs> I was the Bruce Hurdle of my time. I was the Bruce Hurdle. We gotta send that recording to Bruce and ask him his thoughts. Yeah, I'm sure he'll give I'll give your eight-year-old self an ankle. <laughs> yeah. I think like, you wow. know what my favorite, my favorite part of that whole thing was that you wrote out an entire bio intro on your own sister. I just, but like, if you, but like, if you know someone so well, it's right. like people say, try to explain them or like, what, why? Like, I didn't even think to have Brooke on this podcast until you're like, we should have Brooke on this podcast. And I was like, exactly. she did play sports, didn't she? Well, it's also, yeah, you, oh. like, you forget what they've done. Like, exactly. It's, it's like, you're just my sister like you're well, plus, yeah, as a sibling you can't fully like sometimes when you're competitive you can't fully like you know remember the awards that they got because you're being a little salty you're being petty or just you know what I mean like, yeah yeah like, Brooke, probably, girl. Brooke probably totally forgot that I got the 2007 referee of the year award so I like, never forgot that I was there in the audience like all hail you were out there in the audience with her lighters like yeah <laughs> boy to men boy to men style <laughs> oh my god that is not the most oh, we were in true there. support. I love that. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, well, I mean, and then me and Brooke played together for a lot of our lives. So it's it's just like, yeah, you just kind of forget that, right? Like, I don't know. Well, I, I guess it's a little easier for me and you than it is for like me and Miley. If you told me like, what did Miley do? I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> Cheers. Did she do sports? 
she she did cheerleading and went to like Orlando, but I don't know anything about it. Well, um, I guess we could get into some questions. Question time. Put you in the hot seat. Question. (laughs) Yes. Oh, well, I didn't write out questions, so I'm going off the head. Me neither. Neither did I. (laughs) Well, good. We could just follow up on questions. (laughs) All right. Well, I think one of the things that I've never actually asked you. Well, okay. I guess we should start from the beginning. I'll come back. Oh, yes. Go. Let's talk about like how you even got into soccer. Cause to be honest, I don't even remember that. I remember I play. I think I played soccer before anyone when I got scored on, on the PK and I was like, I'm done. I quit. And then I think Larkin was playing when he was like a baby, but like, how did you even get started playing soccer? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Honestly, if I remember right, we may need to fact check with mom, but if I remember right, um, it all came from the Derby Dragons that we played softball on our oh, team first. And um, the coaches had asked me to play on their soccer team because I was of age. And, you know, yeah, obviously you had played before me. Larkin played before me. They, like, you know, it was in the blood. Had to go try it out. We had these god-awful orange and blue <laughs> uniforms. We were called the Cool Runnings. It was terrible. I think we lost, like, every game with a collar and all. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it came from high school, I mean, uh, from the softball team. And then I was 12, I think, when I moved, made that transition. I remember being about sixth grade age and um, falling in love with Mia Hamm at the time, because obviously she was like the big name soccer player at that time. Um, actually, I think, you know, when mom gave us all those things from the house before they moved, I found my Mia Hamm book report. So, you know, I must have been really in love with her. If that Not the book me. report. But uh, yeah, it was about sixth grade that I made that transition. Up till then, I, wa- I did gymnastics. Um, and then I also played softball in the summertime. And I really loved gymnastics. But I think by the time I got to the point where I was ready to make a team, I was like, nah, that's too much pressure. Let's go try something else. Play so, safe. Yeah, let's say you go to something I think my family knows how to do. So yeah, I think that was where the start of the soccer journey started. And then, you know, uh, moving from team to team after that. Yeah, that's kind of crazy, actually, because that's kind of late to get started playing a sport and then end up at like division one school. Right, and be so successful, right. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, because I clearly started before you and did not make it to a division one school, so. <laughs> make sure that we all know Paige started first and yes, Brooke might have copied her, yes. but that's fine. Well, um, I think that's the dynamic, right? I, Brooke, Brooke and I, Brooke was kind of my shadow for a little while and now right, I'm her that's shadow. Right, that's just sorry, yes. No, I mean, if we want to talk about like softball, I was always Paige's shadow. I was never, Paige hit the home run. I just kind of, you know, oh. ran the bases. Like, Brooke was she, definitely she like, I was the big hitter, and Brooke was like the but. Like, I couldn't lay a bunt to save my life, but Brooke was like the sack bunter. And yes. I was so slow that, like, literally, like, I could hit like to the fence, and I still would mm-hmm. make it to like first base. Right. Same. Probably joke that I got paid with sunflower seeds for her because she was definitely <laughs> like. You know, she was the one pointing to the outfield and hitting the home runs. I was the one that was like, I'll lay down the bunt to get you home. Right. Like, That's like, I love you and I'll support I'm you. I'm sacrifice for you, but. 
I'll let you shine. Right. But and then you Brooke, run all that, those bases. You run those. But Brooke also, like, I was a pitcher and I was like, I could throw, I think I've told you that, like, I could throw really, really hard, but I was not consistent and I was like all over the place. And Brooke was like my, my pitching practice. So it was like bruises up and down your legs. Yeah. On the regular. I, I don't know how many times and, you know, probably we could think about fast forward to nowadays, how maybe that's, that's helped me in life. But I don't know how many times dad told me, can't get out of the box when Paige is pitching, even if it's going to hit you in the knee, the shin, the hip, you're going to take it because you're yep. going to figure it out. Yeah. But yeah, I, get used to it. I took too many batting practices against Paige's crazy pitches. We still talk about that. So how mad were you when I decided to, to pursue soccer instead of softball? You're like, damn, all that for nothing? Yeah, actually, I don't even remember a point thinking like, oh, man, like, like, I think I thought in high school, for sure, you would you would stick with um, softball. But obviously, uh, once you move to soccer, I mean, of course, you being my sister and someone I've idolized, like, obviously, like getting to play with you is always something I wanted to do in soccer, which we never really got to do. Exactly. So, so you can talk on that, too. That's another point in high school. I mentioned in the first episode, we never had like a legitimate soccer coach. Nowadays, the Derby soccer coach is a former soccer player, college soccer player, high school player, but we didn't have that. And my senior year, Brooke should have played on the varsity team with me and got beat out by girls who were not nearly as good. And Brooke is a strong player. Like you need players like that that have vision and like smart players. Like she wasn't fancy. She wasn't showy. I, that's not really ever been any, I mean, me, you or Larkin's MO, but mm -hmm. like you were important and didn't get to play. Like, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so I mean, rewind just before we got that coach, but my freshman year, I actually got the chance to play with you in our, um, whatever that was regionals I get like confused sub, in high yeah, school like or something. <laughs> yeah yeah, so many like, yeah that that was amazing even though I know I got yelled at a few times but you know as a freshman that's expected right right you need to build a little character um and when that coach left <clears throat> still was a little unorganized but when we got that new coach and I made JV my sophomore year I was a little disheartened um Paige happened to play goalie that year too and um, I, I vividly remember a point in the season where, you know, JV started to become my team. I felt like that was, if, if, they, if that's where they felt like I fit, I'm not a vocal person like Paige, but if that was where they felt like I fit, then I was going to take that team and make the best of it. So like being the captain and trying to, you know, enhance my leadership skills and do all those kinds of things on JV. And I remember halfway, three quarters of the way through the season, coach asking me to move <clears throat> to varsity and I should have told him no like I feel like if you felt like that I was the JV player and I've led these girls and tried to you know have this camaraderie against us or with us and play against these teams why do you want me on varsity now <laughs> and right. so I, I, I should have told him no um so yeah I ended up playing JV for two years and varsity for two years and I think I would have taken the opportunity to play with Paige obviously that was always something I wanted. And as a freshman, I got that opportunity, but 
Like, I just felt like <laughs> that was something the coach needed to know at that time. I don't know, maybe I channeled my inner page. You did. To be honest. I was over there like, yeah, <laughs> let's go. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that it, it was probably the conversation was probably talked over a page many times before I even had it. Cause you know, I never had the balls to actually stand up to anyone. But you know, Paige was that that driving that driving voice for me. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so cute. Like mm-hmm. that's so funny because my sister and I had the same dynamic, except for she was older and I'm younger. But she was totally the younger sister. So she's like the sacrifice, the supporting right. me, like I would like, and just, and I'm the voice, like, and anyone messes with her, like, get them. And if you can't get them, I got them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that was always like, paid for me. <laughs> yes, I love that. That's so cool. I love oh, that. yeah. That was so true. I definitely made it n- be known, like, how pissed I was about that decision to <laughs> you playing on JV. Yeah. We had, like, a, we had, like, an amazing defense, but, like, our midfield was, like, it had some good girls on the midfield, but like there, Brooke is like a true blue like midfielder, and so it was like missed opportunity, and I was so irritated, and I hated that guy, and I made it known like I was so mean, I was so mean. You can talk about the time that, that you can talk about the time that the goal fell on top of me. That wasn't the what? same coach, but I'll definitely talk about that. <laughs> uh, well. So actually the year, it's my freshman year when we were practicing for sub-state regionals, whatever that thing was, um, we were getting ready to go to Garden City and it was like, you know, honestly, it was probably the practice before we left and they played goalie. But that was my first game playing goalie all season. I didn't play goalie all season. Yep. So Paige ended up playing goalie and um, it was a windy Kansas day. You know, the soccer players didn't play on the turf until my senior year is when we actually got the turf. And so we were playing on that field. That's like the practice football field. Mm-hmm. And um, practice was almost over, but for some reason we were doing the shooting drill and the goal literally blew over the top of Paige. <laughs> and Paige literally lost her crap. So she was like, she like threw her gloves on the ground and was like, screw this. I'm done. And I was over there like, like freshman, innocent me that was not trying to mess up my only chance to play off the Like varsity. hyperventilating over there. <laughs> I'm like, we don't have the same last name. I just have <laughs> one game. Like, but yeah, I mean, you know, oh take that tokens so- of that away in my own life. So, okay. Yeah. That's, that's, I mean, okay. So hearing these stories right now, because I don't get the chance to ask my sister because she passed away. So I want to know, like having this person being who you are, obviously is totally opposite of Paige. What is that like? Is I feel like that's uh, stressful for you. <laughs> we need to know. <laughs> we need to know what that. No, but for real, like what that has to be hard because I, my sister would never. And if I spoke up for her in front of her to authority, oh my! I think she would just die. Like just hives not be good sweating <laughs> like just awful it would be terrible so I mean that's my question is that like what's that like for you <laughs> you know honestly I think that like now in life I mean even then in high school Paige and I were good friends and like I think yes. honestly our personalities are so compatible because Paige is so passionate and so like voices mm-hmm. her opinion and I am so passive so like <laughs> I can we balance each other very well 
Like I co-sign for a lot of things she does, but I'm not going to say it. Like, I'm not going to be the one who's going to vocalize it. I think, I think she just like, I think later in life, I mean, I feel like in that moment, I remember being a little bit embarrassed for sure. But like, at the same time, I'm like, that's my sister. Like, what am I going to do? And I feel like, but now, like, I think we are so close because we're very close that I think that it's because we have a personality that can just like work so well together. And I don't ever remember a time like, in our younger okay well <laughs> the reason the reason there the reason is. I left our, the soccer team my initial soccer team I ever started was because they did co- cuss out our softball coach which kicked me off of the soccer team so like because of that <laughs> because of that I mean obviously that was a little like but I don't even like in my like, I don't even remember, honestly, like moving on from that soccer team was really good for me. I don't think, feel like what was happening on the soccer team was like progressive for me. So like really when I look back on it, it's not any heartburn to me. It's funny that Paige is the one who like basically got me kicked off my first ever soccer team. But like, it, it never honestly made me feel uncomfortable to the point where I was like, yeah, that's not my sister. Stop, so stop. I mean, <laughs> all I have to say is, all I have to say right now is you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> you are way too good. How many girls from that team win D1? Okay. None. <laughs> and also he deserves to be cussed out on things. I, I struck out and I rarely struck out. I struck out and he made fun of me and I dropped the F-bomb in his face and I was like throwing my gloves down. I was like, uh-uh, we ain't doing this, brother. Uh-uh. <laughs> he deserved yeah, it. that that ended it real fast. I mean, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're, thank you. Yeah, definitely thank you because <laughs> I, I definitely would have stayed on that team a lot longer. Now, I'm not, I don't think that team lasted that much longer after we left, like we kind of dispersed. But at the same time, I mean, I feel like Paige has always given me the confidence in my life to like do stand up for myself because I am so passive. I let a lot of those things just slide on off my back. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in college, I mean, <clears throat> Paige and I weren't as close as we are now, but like a lot of those experiences I look back on and I'm really thankful for because yeah. I am, I'm not as vocal as Paige is. And she, right. I mean, there's sometimes she probably shouldn't have said something she did, but you know, Whatever. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're all, that's paid. That's paid right? problem. Huh? <laughs> True. So I have another one. Okay. So Austin knows Larkin. Obviously. I do. I do know Larkin. <laughs> <laughs> so there, Austin, you probably don't know this. I obviously know this just because Brooke is my sister and my whole entire family was involved. My dad coached Larkin and he had like two teams and like everybody loved my dad. And um, they wanted to play up, but you had to have an older player to play up. So Brooke oh, yeah, played the on the team to play up. Brooke was the player on the team to play up. And it was with all the boys. And you're so played, cool. Like, and it's funny because they played like teams that, you know, when you're playing club, it was probably like this for you too with all your sports. It's like right. when you're playing club, you play against like the same teams and mm-hmm. for like years. And so like we watched my brother play against these teams all the time. A lot of uh, like players from some other teams have sisters that we even knew, you know what I mean? Or like we yeah. knew them personally, cause it's just like a community, but, and then, so like Brooke started playing with them and I don't know, just tell me what that was like kind of, because 
I, I feel like you kind of had to prove yourself a little, even though, because these boys on this team were like our brothers. Like we knew them for years. Little yeah. brothers. <laughs> they really were like our little brothers, but I feel like there were still moments where Brooke like kind of had to prove herself. And, yeah, I, and the so, thing is, I know these people, right? Like I know all these kids because they're my age. You they're know someone, friends. yeah, you I do know someone, that's true. Tell this story, girl, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's totally true. I felt like, so I didn't, like going into it, I guess I didn't feel like I had to prove myself because like you said, they were like our little brothers. And I kind of felt like they respected me like an older sister. Like it was just like all fun and games, especially at practices when I would go and just like practice with them or whatever, or even just like play on the playground or whatever we did when we were that age. And um, that that year, like some interesting like ruling came out as to where they would have to bump back down to a small field if they didn't play up. And so I think I, I think it was like U12 to U13 kind of around that age. And um, I remember one of our first practices, we were playing some like 1v1 drill and one of the boys who was one of the better defenders on the team literally like took my feet out, like literally was like straight up, like flipped me on my back. And it was like, because I'm going to beat him up right name now. Name names, name names. You already know, his name was Spencer. I mean, he was a great oh, defender and a, very, him, a great kid too, like a very respectable kid at the time and I remember looking at my dad like what and he was like my dad's like better get used to it and so from then on like I mean I was a very quiet kid very reserved quick kid that I just took that to myself I was like all right I got something to prove here and I felt like that was just like what I carried through that season I only played one season with them and that was in order to like get them to bump up at that age and um I mean, you know, play, playing against the boys was definitely difficult, but also like helped my game a lot yeah. when I was that age. I mean, and it was helping them too. Obviously they were playing up, so they were getting a little bit of a higher competition. But um, I think that message from then on out was like, you're not playing, these boys don't care that you're a girl. Like you just have to match the competition because they don't care. And like, although, and I think it helped because although those boys on the team had respected me and had known me for a really long time as like their older sister, that boys in the league weren't going to treat me that way. They weren't going to give me an easy pass when I got the ball. They weren't going to let me just have my space and dribble and do things like that. So I think that from the, like, from the beginning, I learned I needed to prove myself. And I think that I did that during the season. Um, I mean, obviously I think it helped me in the long term, but, um, um, and going back, especially because, I mean, that I believe that was U13 and I started playing soccer when I was 12. So that was only a year or so after I started playing soccer. So mm. to go from never playing and then playing one year with the girls and moving to a boys team, I think that really boosted, like accelerated my, like I was practicing multiple times a week and accelerated my skill level and my confidence when I had the ball because I mean, you know, when you haven't played for all your life and you come in at 12 years old, you don't really have all those skills. So yeah. I think, I mean, I think that like, I'll never forget that practice. I still won't forget to this day <laughs> who like did that to me. But um, I mean, overall, obviously a good experience to set me up for later on high school soccer, honestly, or in college soccer. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Did you have any like, okay, so whether it doesn't sound like the parents of the kids that you we're playing with would really care whether you're taking a, a boy's spot on the team or whatever did you have any issues or did you judge actually 
have any issues with other parents caring that there's a girl in the field in this league kind of thing or just was, you know, we're here to play sports. No one cares. You know, I do remember there was a parent um, that that knew a boy that could put them above that age group that was pushing for that boy to be on the team. And um, I remember my dad kind of giving a little pushback as the coach that just it, like I was the person they were going to take. And um, but I, I, I honestly don't remember any of our direct parents feeling any type of way because really at that age you didn't see a lot of girls playing on the boys team. I mean, um, Latoya talks about like how now it's kind of like that cliche kind of thing. And you see right. that every once in a while, but you, you don't see, you didn't really see that much even then, especially in soccer. So I don't, I don't ever remember like no parent on our team other than the parent that was trying to find that boy to help us bump an age group that wasn't supportive of the fact that I was yeah. on the team. Again, they knew me for a really long time um, yeah. and things like that. And I think they also knew my dad as the coach, the trainer, Jeff. And I yeah. feel like both of them together, they were confident decisions they were making for the team. So that obviously helped. But um, I don't ever remember any sort of like hate that ever came my yeah. way. I mean, I'm sure some of the other teams looked and was like, oh, well, that's going to be an easy target. She's right, a girl right. kind of thing. But um I think the parents were overall pretty supportive. Yeah, that's cool. That's good because, you know, I feel like you hear situations like that in the news or whatever in society and people, they have all these opinions and that's negative. But I'm like, I feel like if you're actually there on the field, you're in those leagues, you're in that community. Typically, for the most part, people don't care. They're just there to play like and these kids don't care. So when I hear like, you know, when you see stuff on Facebook or wherever, it's like, I just don't feel like you're really in there because athletes like we, we've talked about before they don't care they just want to be there and play yeah. and support and just good sports yeah. like well so it's good it really to hear was, that like, even like the thing I was gonna ask like what it was like playing with Lurkin but like to be honest it really was playing with like I don't know how many kids were on the team 15 <laughs> 15 of your younger brothers I mean like truly right. we had grown up there were the there were some kids that played with Larkin from the very, whatever, four or five years old when he started playing. So for me and Brooke, mm -hmm. it was like, we were hanging out. We were babysitting their little sisters. We were babysitting yeah. some of them. <laughs> and so, so I, don't, I don't know, like, if that was, you talked about wanting to play with me, but like, what was it like to play with Larkin? Because that's like your yeah. brother. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't, you know, I don't really remember, like, I mean, obviously, I love playing with Larkin and playing for dad. That was the first opportunity I ever got to play with for dad. So like, you know, obviously I wanted to jump on that opportunity and playing with all of those kids. Like you said, we, we were, we grew up with them. We babysat their siblings. Like we went from, I went from like the sideline friend to the kids to like, Oh, Hey, now we're playing kind of thing. And I think that like, obviously again, another valuable experience for me playing with Larkin and um playing for dad and you know later on I did get the opportunity to have that as my coach so I mean that was also uh you know a good thing down the road but I don't like I mean I just remember it being like fun like fun to me like a good experience learning experience for me and especially since like I mean Larkin wasn't giving me an easy pass either like <laughs> it wasn't it, and what none of the boys were right and you know right. out of anyone you would expect Larkin to be like ah it's a sister but Help us he didn't treat me like that and, you know, honestly, that's probably good that <laughs> he did it. Like, and I don't know if dad ever told him anything that made him think that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, it, it was it was a great experience. I think, like, even looking back on it to have the opportunity to play with both my siblings. Yeah. 
Larkin didn't want to get smoked by you. That's why. <laughs> yeah, probably. Larkin listened. By the way, Larkin listens to every episode of Jersey Girl, so he will hear this. Oh, no. <laughs> shout out to Larkin. Yeah, shout, shout out to Larkin. Larkin. Larkin is, Larkin, also for the record, Larkin is a very similar personality to Brooke. So, like, yes. they, you know, it would never, you would never, it's funny because it's like both of them, all, all three of us are like very competitive. So it's like Larkin probably at practice will want to beat Brooke, but also he's very passive. He's not going to be like, he. I'm the one that's going to be talking trash to everyone. Like right. I'm, I'm the one that's going to be talking trash and I'll do some dirty stuff to make sure that I can follow through with it. You know, Brooke and right. Larkin, I remember one time I was playing with Brooke and we were playing with one of our friends and she just megged this guy. And it was just like, if I would have made that guy, I would have been like, what? I just, and Brooke was just like, meh. <laughs> Bigger battles. I'm good. Larkin is the same way, so I couldn't ever see him being too like I could see him trying to let his game do the talking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's like I feel like that's definitely sure. how it was. And he and he definitely was not coming to my rescue when I got my feet taken out from under me at that first practice. So would've, you would have been over there like hair. Yeah. I would have been over there with bows. Right. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. Get up. Let's go again. I got like, you. You know that was dirty. You know that was. I had nobody like, told me. This kid is like an angel. Literally, he's like an angel. So it's yes. funny that that's the kid that did it. But he, that's how he played. I mean, he was tough. He, oh, yeah. He was an aggressive player. He was very good at what he did. And so he was just treating me like he would have treated anyone else in that yeah. drill. As and he should. So I, exactly. As he should. And so. That's also probably why Larkin and Dad did not come to They're my probably like, Touche. Touche. Like, bye. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I do have, okay, so like outside of youth soccer and high school, really. So when you went to JUCO, okay, so for context, when I, like, I was a softball player. So, like, when we, when our goalkeeper got hurt my junior year, it was like kind of easy for them to say, why don't you go play, try to play goalkeeper? Right. Because like I had hands, you know, like I, I had like pretty good hand-eye <laughs> coordination and also goalkeepers have to have this, like, they gotta be kind of like freaks and like, they gotta be weird. And I was weird. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you do, you really, you kind of have to like weird in a sense that you're just like throwing your body at like right. no, running at you, you know? Yeah. So and you sacrificing like, your body and yeah. yeah, left and right. And so I played goalie and then I ended up playing in my senior year. Brooke never played goalkeeper until her freshman year of college. And Whoa, that's a lot. Because that, you that was an experience. Yeah. Let's just say my whole college experience was like learning how to deal with adversity. I'll <laughs> just say that. So um yeah, my so my senior year of high school, I had, I mean, our coach at that time had kind of developed a little film skills. So we were able to get film to a couple of places. I ended up signing with Garden City Community College. Um, my, like the second practice of preseason, the, the goalie quit, literally just quit. And um, I was the next tallest person. So I got put in the um, goalie position. I had never... Like, I mean, like the last time I played sports with my hands was softball when I was 12 years old, 13 years old. 
And um, I had a small stint with basketball, like two months and I was never any good. Um, um, But so yeah, they put me in the goalie position. We had maybe two subs. Our coach that year had a difficult time recruiting. We had maybe two subs. A lot of these girls who were sophomores had already put up with him for a year. And um, he asked me to play goalie. And I remember calling my parents and telling them I had to play goalie. And my parents were like, no, that's not what you should do. And I me being the passive me I am was like oh it's fine like I can do anything right like and my dad's like no like I don't think I don't think you should be doing that but okay so yeah I jumped right in we didn't have a good team we didn't have a winning team we never had a winning record but there was a lot of times where I felt like I was learning a lot about myself I remember after the first couple of games I cried literally to one of my friends I had made there just because I was like so upset with myself I was not a good goalie he put me in um we had this wrestling room that was like mats on the floor mats on the wall every game every day I went to a practice with him in which I an hour hour and a half with the head coach and he literally just bomb shots at me in that room and I just dove back and forth on the mats and tried to like learn how to save the ball right um I remember the the Garden City newspaper I put out an article about me being their goalie and there's this ugly picture of me like diving for a ball on the front page and I kept thinking gosh if that's my like debut in my college right. career like people aren't ever going to take me serious um and also like you know working towards a college like you know like college scholarship all this time you, like even when I got summer workouts, that's all I was focused on. It was like, I was going to play center mid. I was going to play outside mid. I was going to run a lot. I was, had good foot skills. And then I got put in this position where I had to figure out how I was going to play goalie. And um, I, I vividly remember, you know, some of the games were really horrible, but I vividly remember a game we played against Hutch, who was always traditionally a very good soccer team. But I had some crazy 34 saves or something. We got to be 8-0 to zero or 8-1 to one or something crazy. But – um, I had like 34 saves, which was like the wow. most ever at Garden City in a game. Wow. And I thought to myself, okay, maybe I'm okay. Like I started, right. I started to myself like I could do this. And our coach had quit two years, I mean, two games before the season was over that year. And wow. um, luckily the coach who had just like took over had put me in a position to where I could play some field and like put some other girl in the goal. We weren't going to make it anyways. But right. Um, you know, there was a lot of games I felt quite embarrassed. I was embarrassed by the right. fact that I had to play goalie. He, I mean, there was some games that we played. I really remember playing Butler and we had played some Garden City home raved girls that were really good at soccer and were just straight and flat out embarrassed. We were just embarrassed by the fact how, how good they were. And like me playing goalie, like none of it ever seemed like it was a good time for me. But then again, like going into the next season, I had a new coach who had like really pumped me up, knew I was a good field player, had recruited the goalie specifically for the fact that obviously I wasn't going to be the goalie forever. And um, after I got that confidence back, it was a game changer. But I do remember that season just being like, so there were so many times that I thought, do I really want to play soccer for the rest of my life? Like, or, right. you know, for a few, three more years, I have three more years of eligibility. Do I really want to play soccer that long? Because of how difficult that season was for me. I mean, showing up to those. And if I had a little bit more page, maybe I would have said something to the coach. <laughs> but right. I definitely didn't. You know, I thought, 
I'm a, I'm below man on the totem pole. I am a freshman. Like you do what the coach says, like you make sacrifices for your team. That's always how I thought that, you know, you right. played a sport, how you even treated friendships that you made that sacrifice for the team. And I was willing to do that at the time, but those were really difficult times for me in my soccer career because of how like I didn't I didn't even feel like I knew what I was doing and I was forced into a position where I had to practice multiple hours a day to try to learn the position let alone like I mean I felt like I had let my team down a lot of times because of how many goals were scored on me and we hardly won me I I honestly think we probably only won one game that year um shout out to independence for being so bad but (laughs) that we were terrible for real and um I remember when the coach had quit and we you know our team like even the team around period was just so much better and we had the boys coach had interned for us we had two two games left so he didn't really have a lot of interest in the but I mean he had enough to like help us like and I remember us having some like really fun lighthearted practices after that because it was just like the coach just wasn't setting us up for success and, you know, I know that you guys have talked about this before, but just like having coaches in the right place at the right time for girls who are develop- being developed or even players, period, men, whatever it is, um, trying to develop their skills and develop them as people. Um, I feel like it, they definitely failed that year. But uh, my second year at Garden City was amazing. So I'm just going to say it, it made up for that. That's so like, good. Yeah. Playing goalie. But yeah. But they're lucky absolutely. that you went back. They're lucky you went back for yeah. second year because that a lot of times that happens to athletes, not just female athletes, any athlete. And Juco, because you only have two years, you're there for two years. The goal is to get in, make your mark, to get out to go to the next place, an even better place, and be even better. So, like, if you're playing a position that's not yours and you're not showcasing your skills, but you're trying to be a team player and like take one for the team and like be that person and not be selfish. But at the same time, like you're screwing yourself, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's tough tough line to find and like play it over, you know? Yeah. And how many, like, there's a lot of times thinking like, I felt like I could play soccer for four years. Like that was my thought going into Juco. Now, you know, Paige took the Juco route and that was kind of how I felt. I mean, um, again, obviously idolizing her and, she was kind of helping me through that transition. But like, I felt like I could be a four-year player and spending my whole first year in a position that's completely opposite of what I even have to use my foot skills for. Like, and and the training I received, we had one coach at the time. We didn't have any assistant coaches. And there was times, even when the newspaper came out and took those ugly photos of me, there was times where I literally at practice spent the entire practice punting the ball, running and picking it up and punting it in a different direction. And like, that was my training because we didn't have the resources to like physically like train me as a goalkeeper. And um, so, I mean, like, you know, I thought I could be a four-year player and here I am wasting an entire year on playing a position that's completely opposite of what, I have no film to show any universities to try to get into universities. Right. Yeah. And like, and like for context too, like if not everyone's a soccer person, like goalkeeper is not just kind of different. You know, I mean like in, in some other sports, not all, but like even basketball, it's like everybody's idea, everybody's kind of goal is the same. You know, if you're a point guard, you're kind of doing more distributing, you might be mm-hmm. you're in the paint if you're a five, whatever. But like at the end of the day, 
it's somewhat similar. Like a goal, like no one touches the ball with their hands on the field, but a goalkeeper. So when you've been playing right. with your feet, your, your whole, whole life. life. Yeah. And then you go and it's, you don't, and it's this actually, a reaction. <laughs> yeah. It's actually really hard for people to translate into that. And it's funny because like I said, like goalkeepers have to be kind yeah. of weird. Like truly they have to be kind of weird in the sense that they're just like, they, you switch something on when you play goalkeeper that you had to just turn into this person that you're like, I don't care. I'm not scared. And uh -huh. I'm going to throw my body around. Yeah. That's what I had to do in high school. And I loved it because I'm kind of weird like that anyway. Yeah. Like, I, I, I kind of was, you know, like even when I play softball and stuff, I never had a problem diving into a base or something. I never had a problem. Right. I'm, that's me. But like Brooke, for her to be picked to, because she's the tallest, <laughs> like that doesn't make me <laughs> up for success. And really, I'm no. not tall. I mean, when I, I was mm -hmm. backup keeper for my Juco team and the girl that played starting keeper was like six foot. And I'm five yeah. four, <laughs> barely. Like so, I, you know, I don't know. That's that's hard to transition into because I don't know. Even for me, it was a little hard, but not as hard. I I feel like for Brooke, it's like Brooke plays with like a smart, knit, like intelligence, and like she yes. plays with her feet. She's a distributor with her feet. She's not right. like they pick the wrong one. Not weird. <laughs> not that weird. <laughs> oh, I remember <laughs> tuning in my weirdness a little bit when we had a game. I think it was like the third to glasses, right as the coach was about to uh, quit. But like, we ended up, um, we were playing in Garden City, you know, it's cold as I'll get out out there. And the turf was literally frozen. Like the pieces of turf were frozen together. And I thought to myself, I have to dive on this. Like <laughs> I'm gonna have to channel something else in my body to figure this out because I literally, I hate the cold also disclaimer, but like, I literally have to dive on this to make a save in this game. Like, I, I don't know. I, I totally agree. You have to turn something else on to like really be in that goalkeeper yeah. zone. But I mean, <laughs> well, that's, that's the yeah. problem playing on turf too. Cause like when we played, we played a uh, Titan classic and shout out South high school. They had at the time, I think one turf field and two grass fields or maybe just grass yeah. fields and grass, it was yeah. always in the spring. So it was like a mud fest. And I remember after that, like, that is when it's fun to be a goalkeeper. You're just like rolling around in the mud the whole time. Yeah. Diving, you know, yeah. like that's fun. But yeah, when you're on turf and it's frozen uh -uh, or hot. Mm -mm. Do you know what's so crazy? That happened. The same thing happened to me. But just in a different sport, I had to play catcher, which is also Never a quite, weird position. It's the same, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, it's the same thing. And honestly, if you don't know what you're doing, I'm not taking it at that level, but it can be dangerous. It can that be. Stuff, yeah. That pitch is coming at 70 miles per hour sometimes. Like, sheesh. But yeah, one of the girls, she broke her thumb. The other backup, her back, and so I was third baseman. I was a freshman. They're like, okay, who's got a good arm? Oh, Austin. <laughs> and so hey. I, was like, right, cool. I loved every second of it because I was in every single play every pitch and I got to throw out girls at every base I got so good at it not because well it's strictly because it's competitive in my brain like I just like, I loved it so much <laughs> and you're I also just, weird oh. you're weird like me and I'm weird like, you really do have to turn on the catchers are weird I mean think of the, yes. most of the best catchers. they're weird I love being freak of nature back up like yes, you have to have that weirdo freak of nature like love it mentality and just not care just lay it all out there literally so yeah yeah that's so that's true. I know I like that but Brooke 
she's not weird. She's weird <laughs> in her own way, but not just, in a, yeah, like. Kesha, what a weird, like, insult. You're just not weird. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> she's not, I mean, Brooke, is, not, Brooke right. is like a good, like, Brooke is like a rule follower and she's like smart. So like, she's yeah. too smart to be weird. <laughs> like, <laughs> True. Coming from Miss NASA over here. Like. <laughs> well, she's too, she's too smart to be like that level weird where you're like, right. you know what? I'm going to dive in front of somebody and they're coming full blast at me. I went to prom with like big old bruises on my right. leg. Like, that's not that kind of weird. <laughs> She's more mm. practical. I yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after that terrible year. Okay, so you went to um division one. Let me just make this known. It's hard for me to admit, but better than any of the rest of us siblings. You there went it to is. Division one. <laughs> and <laughs> like tell me about like, okay, there's there's a couple of things that I'm most interested in with that. But I think what I'm most interested in is you went to HBCU and mm. like, what would, like, what was that like? And what was the decision to go there? Like, and I, I, I don't know, I guess what's that experience? It's nothing like anything around here. Yeah. I think that was what most interested me about the school, honestly. So when I was, um, or rewind just a little bit, when I was looking for a university to go to school to, because I was able to play my normal position, my sophomore year of JUCO that, um, I actually like, even then you guys talk about the resources people have to, or like females have to recruiting, like going on further in, in their career. And I think that my coach, my sophomore year, had a little bit more resources in at least filming our games. Um, so there was actually a girl who played soccer with me who also went to, who also played basketball as well. And she was getting recruited to an HBCU in Texas, Prairie View, who was also in the SWAC, which are where I ended up. Um, and I went to happen, I happened to go to, on a school visit with her. And um we went on a school visit. She had significantly less, like, um, like worse grades than I did. And so the coach ended up offering her more money than he was going to offer me to go to school at Prairie View. And I thought, okay, this is in my opportunity. Like, let, let's keep looking. And um, even then I thought, well, you know, this is an interesting school, but Prairie View is outside of Houston. It's like a suburb of Houston. So you're really still in like, for the most part, like you still get a city feel kind of thing when you're there, right? And um, we actually flew into the Houston airport for a visit. And so the fact that they were gonna give her more money, I was like, all right, there's a few more places I can look. Right. And a school out of Mississippi, Delta State University, uh, like happened to contact my coach about being interested. So they paid for me to come out there and visit, not an HBCU, a division two school. Um, I went out there, <laughs> mom and dad drew me out there and um, we happened, we looked at the school and on that Sunday before we left, they said, hey, Mississippi Valley State University wants to take a look at you too. So we drove over there, it was about an hour and a half and we drove over there. We looked at the school for maybe an hour. It was a Sunday, there was nothing happening on campus. It was dead, it was in the middle of Mississippi we were Googling things about the town the night before and they were all alarming. And um, and we drive over there, meet the coach and left. And the coach said, hey, with your grades and, and um, soccer combined, I can get you a full ride. 
So she had followed up with me, said, "Hey, I need to do a full ride," and I said, "Okay, done deal." Done. Right? Like, yeah. I, I, our parents' deal with us was always, "I'll pay for your first two years; you pay for the rest of your schooling." Yeah. Kind of thing. So, Which has been expensive for me, by the way. Twelve <laughs> years of schooling. <laughs> you got that discount, so it's cool. <laughs> so you know, I mean, Paige mentioned that I'm very money savvy, so of course that was attractive to me that I was about to right. get a full ride and not have to be in debt when I left college. Um, so yeah, they were an HBCU. I, I don't know if I fully understood what I was getting myself into. I grew up in Derby, Kansas, like, you know, and, and I was about to go, I was about to move to Mississippi, probably the most opposite place of Kansas, to be honest, you know, and you read all these things. Um, I, I remember in under, like in Garden City, when in like my public speaking class, they did some speech about like, you know, the ranking the states against each other. Mississippi was like the most unhealthy, the poorest, like had the least resources, all these kinds mm-hmm. of things. And I just thought, okay, I'm gonna go play soccer. Like that's what I right. know what I'm gonna do. And I, I think that was, that's the other thing about sports is that you always know you kind of have these built-in best friend kind of things, right? Like yeah. you always know you're gonna, you're gonna, um, have these friends that play soccer with you and granted you'll probably click with more of them than you don't you know there's there's gonna be some give and take there but at the end of the day you have these these girls you grind through like hard you know situations with and you learn each other and you have these best friend type you know relationships and um so I didn't really know a lot about Mississippi once I signed to go there it was exciting it was a division one school I don't even know if I understood the definition of HBCU, to be honest. I don't, I don't think I understood the culture that I was about to be immersed in. I don't think I understood anything that I was about to learn, honestly, about moving to Mississippi, going from Kansas to there. And um, so moving there was definitely an eye-opening experience. I, you know, once I got there, I had a roommate who was from Canada who also taught me a lot of things about a different culture I didn't even know. But I remember in the first couple of weeks thinking, I kind of want to go home. Like, I'm not sure this is like the right fit. Yeah. I'm comfortable. I'm not, you know, and this was still preseason. Like we had it, you know, school hadn't been in session yet. It was the soccer team was there. The football team was there. That was about it, right? Like you guys were, I mean, the volleyball team was there. Yeah. You guys were in practices before school had even started. And I remember calling mom and dad kind of saying like, hey, I don't, I don't think this is right. Like, I think I need to come home. And I, I do remember a conversation having with my dad and my dad was just like, nah, you can do it. Like, figure it yeah. out. You'll learn a lot. You can do it. And um, so, I mean, you know, being so much like my dad, right. He told me I could do it. I don't know why I couldn't. Why would you question <laughs> that? If your dad says then you believe, of course. Right. That's supposed to be. I love it. Yeah. And so, I felt like also coming in as a junior, a lot of the people recruited to that program were coming in as a freshman. So I felt like, again, they didn't have a lot of JUCO transfers. I was there again to prove myself. I was in a situation just like I was in junior college, my freshman, my sophomore year, trying to, trying to find a way to prove myself, to prove that I was worthy of this position on the field. I was worthy of the scholarship I was given. And um, I even remember at the beginning of the season, we were paired up with some sort of mentor, like an upperclassman, someone who had been there for a little while. And um, all the freshmen, I mean, it was easy for them. They were paired up with a junior or senior. We only had about two seniors that year. So there wasn't really a lot. And so they were paired up with one of them. 
And I, as a junior, was also paired up with either a junior or sophomore, somebody who had never been there. The person was definitely younger than me. And I thought, how's this person mentoring me? I'm a junior. Like, I, I have two years of experience under my belt, but I found myself in a position again where I had to prove myself. And at this point, you know, in my life, I was, that was a situation that was recognizable for me because I had been that way with the boys team. I had been that way in um in high school when I had to prove myself for the first time for for to play varsity I was there at junior college two times at junior college and I was there again as a junior and um you know I felt like obviously all those things motivated me there was things I was given the summer you know workout packet that was always something that drove me in the summertime that was I I never felt like I could be in I could come in and I was gonna be not fit, not ready to work out. Like all of those things were, were driving factors for me and going to the HBCU, like, honestly, all of it, like the experience looking back on it was amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't say anything, honestly, negative about the experience. I made so many good friends. One of the most valuable lessons I feel like I, I, I got from HBCU was learning my own privilege as who I am. And I feel like that is a valuable experience for people who don't who don't live there every day mm -hmm. in the minority of a population and so i feel like that was i honestly say so many times i've said this to people i know i've said this to people who have kids that are going into college they're seeking a college experience like i i feel like people need to live and learn that experience of a minority for for so many lessons of their life and I, I think that when I went to an HBCU in the moment did I realize everything I was learning probably not there was times I thought to myself mm -hmm. that hurts like I've never been treated that way I've never learned that lesson I've never um you know been in a situation that way where I've had to defend my character for who I am mm -hmm. and I think that you know like being in that situation has made me such a more like so much more empathetic towards people towards um you know especially people in a minority situation like mm -hmm. understanding how people go through those things because i was there you know at an hbcu i was i was one of the minority where i lived yeah. all my life as the majority right. you know so i was, I was thrown in a situation where i had to learn so many new things about myself and about me as who i am you know finding my confidence finding you know, my character and things like that and being confident in that, that like, I, I, I couldn't take that experience back any day. And, you know, the like soccer, like the sports part of it was like, you know, half the part. Like, honestly, when I look yeah. back on the experience, that was a great experience. We did so many great things with that soccer team. We, you know, even to this day, so many of my teammates, I'm so proud of like, how far they've gotten in life and things of that sort and their accomplishments. But that's just a minor part of what I feel like I've taken away from HCCU and my experience in that situation that I, I can't even like put into words how grateful I am for that experience. I love that so much. I have goosebumps, by the way. That was so good. <laughs> I, seriously, I was like so inspired. I feel like I was spacing out, but like in true in inspiration, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's so yeah. right. That's so, and, well, that's and so I right. think that, you know, you get put in those situations and not only do you feel like, do I have to defend my character, but you feel like I am so grateful. And I, I think I've, I've even come back to my family and said this, like, 
I am so grateful for my parents. I'm so grateful for the resources they provided me growing up. And maybe I didn't realize were a part of what I would say were my privilege, right? Like, I feel like growing up, my parents, you know, at the end of the day, was it a little bit more of a stress for them to get all four of us to a sporting event, to a practice, to, to things like that? Yeah, absolutely. It probably was. But that does not even slightly compare to my peers who don't have parents that can get them places, who maybe rode public transportation or looked for some sort of scholarship to play in those basketball leagues and to get them to university. I, even though I felt like I didn't have as many resources as I could have had as a female, I feel like I still had more than what some of my peers had. And, you know, even in college, my parents made it a point to like, come to so many of my soccer games they were at every parent night they were at every you know every time they could come they would travel and so many of my peers didn't have that experience they didn't have their parents didn't have the means to travel or to see them play sports all the time they didn't have the means to you know have that supportive structure around them that I had growing up that I just found that to be I was so much more thankful and so I valued that experience so much more because I did have this support system that I felt like I took for granted as a youth athlete that I don't, you know, I don't feel like people have the perspective to look back on because they don't get put in a situation where they realize that their peers had a lot less than what they had growing up. Yeah. I've read that's so cool. Yeah, for real. Like, um, (laughs) I'm put you on a cover of a book or a cover of a a podcast. Like, exactly. Thank you. But you like speak speak that truth into young kids who are like looking into colleges and where they're going to go and how important those decisions are when you choose a college because who you're going to be around is what's going to help mold you and help your experiences and the cultures that you you experience as well. Like, oh, it's so important. So the fact that you went there instead of you know K State or something local with all the people that you knew or just any breached you breached you branched out and just oh I think that's cool I think it's incredible and you're right I think everybody should experience that that moment of being the minority because can you imagine I can tell you when as soon as you said that you know being questioned your character being questioned I hate when being misunderstood and being questioned and like who I am as a person and the fact that I'm sure that people of color I know that people of color deal with this but being questioned it based off the color of your skin. And then if that were like, I would be pissed out of me. Like, why the, mm-hmm. don't cut, you know? I don't like when it's because I'm a female. I wouldn't like it if it's because of the color of my skin. And that, like, but I would, don't normally would think like that. We are lucky, a majority, we're lucky that we don't have to think that, that, that privilege, we don't have to think like that. Being in that situation, that helps you see that stuff. And I feel like it's so, you're right. It's so important for kids to do that and be in those situations and learn and absorb that. Oh, so cool. Okay, and then, so you played in the NCAA tournament. Tell me what, like, winning the SWAT conference uh, tournament was like, because you guys won the tournament, the SWAT conference. What year? 2013, yeah. 2012. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that, you know, once I started at Mississippi Valley State University, I think that, you know, that was always impressed on us. Like, we were going to win SWAT. Like, that's the conference. We're going to win the SWAT tournament. And I don't, I don't know that we ever truly like in our hearts knew what that meant, right? Like we, like we wanted to win the tournament, but did we know that meant that we were going to get like 
a place in the NCAA tournament. I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, um, the seniors that were there my junior year, they had won it in their freshman year. So they had enough, they had went, but they were gone by the time I was a senior. So when I was a senior, yeah, we ended up winning the SWAC tournament. It was this big ordeal. It was great. You know, obviously my parents, shout out to them, were there to witness. And um, so was Larkin. And, um, <laughs> but then from there, you know, I remember watching the, like, the, um, whatever they call, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily Selection Sunday. Maybe it is, like, like they would with a basketball tournament. And, you know, we got the last, the last, very last spot in the bracket. And we ended up um, playing Florida State. We obviously knew Florida State was a really good school and in soccer. I mean, we were a 16 seed, they were a one seed and they had, I mean, they have a good history of playing good soccer. And I don't think we quite understood like, oh, that's the next step, right? Like that's what we're, that's what we're going to go do. And again, another amazing experience for us. But I do remember a meeting right as we got selected to be in the tournament and right before we left for Florida, we were all sat down in a conference room and our coach had given us all an envelope of money, basically saying, this is what you're getting paid to play in this tournament. And the money was some odd 320 bucks or whatever it was. But to us, it was a big deal, right? We had never been, none of us had ever been paid to play a sport that we had loved to do. So we were getting paid $320 and, you know, being the same person I am as Paige just mentioned earlier in the podcast that um, I was like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to spend when we go there and our coach had sat us down and told us you're going to get paid this $300, whatever's in the envelope. And this money is going to pay for you to eat when we go to Florida, basically. It's going to pay for your living expenses other than the hotel. Like the hotel was already on the, uh, school or whatever. And, um, I remember there was a couple of nights that me and a couple of my teammates either went to Waffle House or went to Wendy's. We were trying to spend the least amount of money because we could pocket some of that money. I mean, that was a big thing for us, right? Like this is the first time we were ever getting paid to play a sport we love to play. And we wanted to keep like savor that. And, and we, you know, I think in our hearts, we wanted to win that game, but in our minds, we knew we were going to win that game. We didn't have a chance. You're talking about Florida State, who has won multiple national championships, who has like consistently given the nat- the women's national team players for how good they are. And we didn't think we were going to win that game necessarily, but yeah, I mean, we were, we were wanting to pocket that money and there was nobody there telling us what to do with that money. There was nobody there telling us like, yeah, you should save it. Yeah. You should spend it here. I remember the bus, like only, uh, only providing us Wendy's as an option for dinner one night, because that was the only place, like we all had $5 to spend, right? Like that was all we were going to do. And I mean, such a great experience. Obviously we got, for the first time in in my career, I ever witnessed, you know, a phenomenal locker room, uh, a place that uh, a university who really supported women's sports, right? Like even at the university, uh, even where I went to school, Mississippi Valley State University, we didn't have a locker room. We didn't have, you know, we, we were provided, you know, shirts or whatever, like those kinds of things, but we weren't provided like the resources that the school was. And, and we were, we were able to see that for our own, our own two eyes. And I mean, granted, we lost that game eight to zero or something crazy, but the experience we took away from it was just, you know, 
that women's sports could be bigger than what we were even witnessing ourselves. And even at that time, we thought we were as big as the world, right? Like yeah. we, we had one SWAT championship and that was what was ingrained in our brain since we were recruited there as to what we were basically recruited to do was to win a conference championship. And that's what we had done. And even then, you know, I, after, after that experience, I took a lot back with me, but I think, you know, <laughs> you talk about like, we got our rings like a year later, basically. Mm-hmm. We were sized yep. for our rings that day. We got our rings like a year later. They were embroidered. And I'm sure half of my teammates don't even know where the rings are. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if I can tell you where mine is. But like it was it was a very big moment for us to understand that um, you know, even even as big as we felt we were in the moment, like women's sports was so much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And I think that um I mean, you know, I mean, it was such a great experience. I mean, it, from the level of like understanding, like even being paid to play soccer was nothing I've ever fathomed in my life, right? Like, you know, as a little kid, you always think, oh, I'm going to be a sports player, whatever it is. I mean, I didn't start playing sports a lot, I mean, soccer until I was about 12. So I don't even know if I was going to make a professional from there. But being a, like getting paid money and when you're in college three hundred dollars is a lot of that's money, a lot right? of money <laughs> that's like spring break money for you right, yeah. right? so like getting you're paid living that, that all month <laughs> <laughs> right right getting paid that much money and being able to pocket most of it leaving there but you know when you think back on it like where was any advice around nutrition were we feeding ourselves the right way to be a to be an athlete in the moment. No, we weren't because we weren't taught how to like do anything different with that money than to save and spend it the way we wanted to. Most of us weren't working jobs. Soccer was our job. And so for the, for like the first time in our lives, we have played soccer so much that we had earned money based on that fact. And, you know, there was a few of my teammates who were able to come up with side hustles or do some work study job or things like that. But for the most of us, we lived and breathed soccer and you went to soccer practice and then you went to school and both of those I mean were paying for your scholarship so it was obviously really important for you to keep those up but then then we were able to earn a, a few dollars and we're like okay hey we made a big you know three hundred dollars and you know I'm sure like in hindsight you know there's some players who have you know obviously made more money than that now but like it was just something that was like a really big moment for us and to get the ring and to get those things that we that were ingrained in our brains that that's what we were shooting for was just such a big moment for us and obviously you know a big thing for Mississippi Valley State University soccer in general that's so cool that's so cool I I remember the same thing our rings like because luckily every single team I played on in my four years of college the two schools I played at we won conference all four I won conference all four years every conference tournament we won except for maybe once at friends or both at friends but we won the conference we didn't have to win the tournament um but yeah I think we also paid for our own rings I don't know that that's normal but it's fine both years because you know when you win conference you get a ring at Cali Juco you win conference you get a t-shirt uh <laughs> you, you win the division tournament, you get another t-shirt. You make it to nationals, which nobody does. It's not It's not normal to make it to nationals. I made mm-hmm. it to nationals all four years of my career. I got t-shirts to, you know, lots of t-shirts, you know? Yeah. It, it, it could have been the school and the money. I'm not sure, you know, who, where, how it's being allocated throughout the different teams and whatnot, but 
no and then we also like hosted like online stores to sell our stuff so we could have money to go travel to our tournaments like lots of out of pocket things when <laughs> on scholarship and you know we're winning and we also have the best grades on the team so I just remember that whole when you soon you said the rings it takes a year I'm like yep I wonder if they paid for them <laughs> I wonder if you guys had to pay for them yourselves like yeah we got a discount but it was still every player on my team had to pay like $160 for their own ring half of my teammates weren't even from Kansas. They're from California or Texas or literally everywhere. Yeah. Let alone money for the ring that they just bust their ass all four years for. Like, it sucks. Like, I know that most girls didn't even buy their ring. Like, same. But we just got real deep with those rings. So <laughs> trigger me with those rings. So I'm curious. Did you guys pay for yours? Because did you guys get them, like, from the school we paid for ours honestly I'm, I'm pretty sure the school did pay for it I just remember yeah. um I was a senior the year we won so there was some sort of ceremony in which everyone else got their rings but I had already moved home to Kansas so I didn't really have I didn't I didn't get that ceremony that wasn't a chance for me it got mailed to me and that was it like yeah. you know again I was so proud of the moment but I didn't have exactly. the means or whatever it is to go back to the ceremony and be able to receive it along with my peers who were yeah. able to, you know, kind of enjoy that moment. Um, yeah. Granted, winning the tournament, being in those in that situation, going to the NCAA tournament were all things that were invaluable experiences that meant nothing to, you know, the um, the ring necessarily. But right. yeah, I, I believe the school did end up paying for it. I just remember us getting sized from really quickly and there was no big yep. deal. We moved on. You know, that the school didn't even make it really that big of a deal that we had won and the rumor going to the um, NCAA tournament. And, you know, I think about, you know, fast forward and I think about, you know, living in a, in a town where they value women's sports so highly and how people around this town have been so, like, have rallied with the University of South Carolina women's basketball team like you know it's it's a lot different of an atmosphere yeah. than what I had went through in a university now granted you know Greenwood Mississippi and the being Mississippi where University of South Carolina I mean University uh, Mississippi Valley State University was was not a big town it wasn't like you were going to have the support you would have here in Columbia South mm-hmm. Carolina but but at the same time you know you feel like women's sports has evolved a lot when I'm oh, yeah. able to witness this compared to what I went through when I, I got a ring or went to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that we went to college together at the same time. So I'm like, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I should remember the same, like very similar experience. I'm like, yeah. I mean, you know, I remember like, there obviously people tried to make a big deal because this team's winning kind of thing. And they did. Don't discredit anybody, but you know, I was just curious if that was your same experience, you know, you should pay for all the stuff that you were winning i guess for <laughs> yeah yeah all i have to say is the only ring i ever got i ended up giving back but that's not <laughs> no she didn't she went there she's been holding and i did pay for that let me say that <laughs> maybe not in, money, in a different but... payment oh and now we are spilling the tea <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I and we're that. better for it okay yes and if you know you know <laughs> right <laughs> and if you don't you will know so i mean it's exactly. fine <laughs> welcome to jersey girls you know what i'm saying <laughs> follow us on instagram twitter and facebook <laughs> and find out all the juicy deets oh my gosh okay we've talked about this i know i know i know exactly where i'm going with okay i don't 
I'm not going to ask you to stalk her. Okay. Uh, because again, it's just very harsh. If you happen to find yourself in a position where Don Staley just happens to always be um, on a daily basis and you just happen to run into her, you, do you, you want to get a, a, an autograph for us? You can. I'm not going to deny it. I'm not going to um, pressure you by any means. Um, and definitely don't condone any kind of stalking. But if there's any kind of coincidence where you're just there and she's there and you felt like it's, you know what, this is my girl. She sees my blazer. We're blazing out. Like, well, not quite blazing out, but you know what I mean. This is South Carolina after all. Do you think she does? I don't know. <laughs> just have her call me um, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, uh, one thing I have to remind you of is the person that would do that is my personality. <laughs> Brooke is the opposite of me. I know. I'm like <laughs> delicately, like just if you happen to be <laughs> outside the gym every day when practice is over, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not asking to, just if you happen to be running on campus, getting your exercise in, right past your office. hidden water bottles. Like, <laughs> there she is. And just ask her. So it's basically I think bound to happen. Yeah. I think it is. Um, I'm not opposed to getting on a flight the moment like you're there, yeah. just like holding her, not not hostage, just hanging out. <laughs> hanging out with her. I was about to say holding, but I meant hanging out um, in a very casual way. Especially when very Lisa casual. Leslie's out there hanging out with her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hello, if Lisa legend. gets to be there, then I should be there. <laughs> well, I am going for Thanksgiving, so you want to just join. We'll see what we can do. Brooke has right. an extra air mattress. We'll be good. I can count on for it. Honestly, I've turned a hotel tub into a really cool situation, so just <laughs> I'll do whatever. And then, but, I, yeah, I'm just basically in, I making know, sure like, I can count living there like Don Staley is obviously incredible but like living in Columbia like was that one of the selling points for you and yeah. like what's it like living there with like a women's program that's pretty much I mean that's pretty much like what the town I mean you have the town coming to a women's program it's just incredible it's so fun and incredible like what what does that mean to you yeah, you know, I don't think I would say that it was a selling point because maybe I didn't understand the magnitude of support that the women's basketball team got when I moved here, honestly. Like, I knew they were a good team. I knew about Don Staley, but that wasn't, um, I mean, honestly, it's closest in proximity to where I would work, honestly. <laughs> but, but at the same time, you know, thinking about, you know, obviously Don Staley's amazing, but I, I remember vividly looking up, you know, okay, it's university town. I love sports. I love to watch sports. Let's go take a look at what they have to offer, what I can go watch. And I remember um, vividly looking up the men's and the women's basketball team's tickets. And I remember the women's teams being like triple the time, like triple the amount of the boys team. And I thought, well, that's amazing. Like, I mean, right. I don't think I've ever lived in a situation where women's sports have been so valued. And I look across the teams at the University of South Carolina and the volleyball team is very good. They made it to the NCAA tournament. The soccer team was eliminating the lead eight in the NCAA tournament. And here you have the basketball team who are national champions and you have these teams who are like well-known, you know, well, like very good, you know, sports teams who may even outbeat some of their men's teams. Obviously, 
you know, the football team, it's a big school and they play big teams. They play Clemson, they play Alabama, they play those good schools, right? So it's obviously going to have some camaraderie. But when you saw the um, national, like after they won the national championship, the parade here was six to 10 people deep, you know, down Main Street. And you're thinking, I mean, I watched a lot of it on television, but you're thinking, wow, this is a lot of support. Even the girls, a basketball team had like, it says something about how they've sold out, you know, five years worth of crowds. You have the support bus behind a female sports team. Like it's bigger than, it's bigger than the athletes. It's bigger than Don Staley. It's literally a culture in a town mm -hmm. where you've never lived in a situation where women's sports has been held to that regard. And I think that like that is empowering in itself, right? Like you can't, you can't deny the fact that like, I mean, Don Staley is an amazing athlete, right? <laughs> you think about how, how highly, highly we think of her, but really like feeling the fact that women's sports is valued so high amongst the community is even bigger than itself. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't feel like, you know, I've never felt that growing up. So I feel like coming here, not that it was part of my decision, but now that I'm here, I mean, fantastic, right? Heck, like, yeah. you, you, get to, you get to enjoy these sports and you know, I kind of came about as a as a um, University of South Carolina basketball fan, I would say, um, after, you know, I went to a couple of games, we, we watched them play in a couple of the rounds of the tournament. But um, I mean, just like I said, just being in a community that backs female sports that well is just something that's unspeakable. It's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And I, I, if I personally feel, you know, I know Latoya had talked about in a previous episode that feel like Woodshaw didn't really get that backing to the fact that they had rounds of the tournament there and I feel like you feel that energy here you feel you yeah. like watching the parade on tv you heard the mayor sit and talk about and multiple other people who were who were out there talking about you know we're here for another year they they've been getting all this recognition they have highway signs they have all these things and to have a feel that that passion passion from a women's sport is just inspiring for uh, for people who are even retired athletes like myself I mean you th that are generally just sports fans I feel like that's inspiring most most universities hold you know men's sports to a high value you talk about football men's basketball things like that and I I just feel like they reign supreme so let's live in it in this, yeah. in this instance you know and yeah. there's just so many empowering things you know you watch Don Staley how she deals with her team and how she talks about, you know, as the NIL things roll out and how she, how she helped her, her players through those things. And you just, you admire her as a coach and you start to admire the players for who they are, understanding their personality and things like that. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I just feel like it's just such an inspiring place to live dealing with, I mean, having that, that energy around women's sports. Yeah. Yeah. And like coming to the game, I remember like going to Wichita State games when I was doing my undergrad there. And like it always used to drive me crazy when people would be like, come on, boys, and stuff like that. Be like, you don't know them, you know, and I always get so annoyed. And then I go to like the the women's game in South Carolina, and it was like there were guys behind us, like grown men behind us that were like, Come on, Aaliyah, you can do better than that. And stuff. And I was like, okay. I kind of like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, even then you're like, wow, you put a lot of pressure on a college player, but do you ever think that with the men's player? I mean, exactly. kind of, right? Like 
they don't know them personally, but at the same time, it's like they like they know these people by name. They know these players by name, and it, and they're and they're local celebrities, right? You can, and and in that instance, you feel like wow, that's empowering. You have women athletes that people look up to in the community. Yep. There was people at the parade who they had interviewed on TV who had driven, I mean, driven like hours to come to the parade who are just like genuinely fans of these female athletes. And you just think, wow, that's inspiring to have in a town that's, I mean, about the same size as Wichita, you know, a little bit bigger with suburbs, but about the same size. I mean, that's inspiring to hear that. Yeah. Well, hey girl. we had someone who wanted to say hi to her favorite auntie, her auntie oh mommy. Hi, Leah. <laughs> Such a good girl for waiting till the end to come into the room to say hi. <laughs> Such a good girl. <laughs> She's been chilling with the cats. You want to say, you want to help us at the end? Sure. All right. Well, normally That's we just enthusiasm say- I was looking for. <laughs> sure. thanks for listening and we'll be back next week with another interview thanks for listening bye 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 <laughs> so cute